3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. And welcome to The Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, here reporting this week from Detroit. We're with Maureen Taylor, who's the chair of the Michigan Welfare Rights Centre. And uh, it's uh, sort of some outtakes from uh, this looming, I'm hoping, documentary and uh, a bit of a tour of the city she gave us of Detroit and its crumbling infrastructure and how uh, basically if you if you insert where she says corporations uh, with rent seekers uh, you'll be uh, defining you know you'll be on the edge of of what's really happening there's a whole pile of property sharks there making an absolute killing and Maureen goes through the details in a devastating uh, format here so uh, yeah we're going to um, scream on into this interview because well it, it's pretty much a monologue with Maureen uh, telling Telling us uh, some of the stories from her town. So let's get into Maureen Taylor. We are being invaded by corporations that are attempting in all ways to retrofit Detroit to become a place of the wealthy. Uh, uh, this is a city of blue collar workers. And what's been happening is that we've got folks like Dan Gilbert, who owns a uh, sports team, Mike Illich, who owns everything else, and some of these other corporate pirates are coming to Detroit, given permission to manage our lives and to change and to alter what we know because we were forced into something called bankruptcy. One of the things that stands out is what happened after Detroit was forced into bankruptcy. And the bankruptcy happened as a result of the city being um, raided and told that we no longer have a right to vote. The right to vote was taken away once an emergency manager was imposed in the city of Detroit. An emergency manager, the definition of emergency manager is dictator. So once you get a dictator, the dictator decides what needs to happen in whatever city that they're dictating over. So the bankruptcy came and we didn't want it. It was forced on us. And what has happened since that time is up and down Woodward Avenue, which is the main thoroughfare. We have um, Dan Gilbert, we have uh, Mike Illich, and others of his corporate friends that are infringing on our rights and taking and purchasing and snatching things that used to be uh, assets for the city of Detroit. They're retrofitting Detroit into something that uh, uh, benefits the rich and the famous. Comerica Park is the name of the stadium. And the Comerica Park um, uh, 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 Inquisition, if we could call it that, after a series of questions, they decided that the YMCA and the YWCA didn't, didn't merit saving. So Comerica Park was built on top of those two facilities that used to house low-income women or low-income men. So the sacrifice was three, four hundred in each facility, six or seven hundred people had to lose their low-income housing so that Mike Illich, a, one of the richest people in the world, could build a sports arena, which is like Russell Crowe's 
the gladiator. You know, this is the place where the lions on one side of Woodward, the tigers, the, uh, the tigers on another side of Woodward, the lions, and the natives own nothing. So that's an example of what happens when the 1% moves into your community without, without barriers. They do what they want to do. Now, did he pay for it all himself, or was it publicly funded? Well, what we found is that all of the elected officials have a protocol already in place that somehow always ends up with the electorate, the taxpayers, having to foot the bill for whatever these rich magnets want. I don't understand how it always ends up that way. But that's what happened here. We have to put the money up front. We'll get paid back in 30 or 40 years. And of course, in 30 or 40 years, most of us will be dead. And we won't ever know what happened, but that's how this goes. Uh, the taxpayers have to pay for these facilities. Uh, was Detroit bankrupt before this happened? No. I don't live in a bankrupt city. I live in a city that's being bankrupted. I'm being robbed. What happened is that we used to have 1.6, 1.7 million people that used to live in the city of Detroit. The majority of those people were tied directly or indirectly to automobile manufacturing. Once the automobile industry began to decline, replaced by technology, what happened is those good paying, high paying jobs were replaced by service jobs that pay half or less than half for what factory workers used to make. The 1.6, 1.7 million that we used to have that lived in my beloved city, we now have a little bit under 800,000. And you cannot make 800,000 people who earn 25% of the previous group pay for those things that are necessary today. So no, we're not bankrupt. We're being bankrupted and the assets that we own in the city of Detroit are being stolen from us and we cannot stop it. Eminent domain means the right to come in and usurp. The definition of usurp is steal, S-T-E-A-L. What is the opportunity to steal assets? Well, Comerica Park is an excellent example of what that means. Eminent uh, domain was the reason, was the foundation that was offered to say we have to tear down these low-income people's homes because it's much more important for a sports stadium to be built, to be erected at a site that in the end will benefit the city and will bring us jobs and will bring the opportunity for economic advancement. That's what they always say. That's what they said about slavery. If we can just bring these slaves over here, their lives will be better. They will get Christianity. They'll get toilet paper and, and all of these uh, 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 new things that the slaves will get if you just let it happen. But it always turns out the same. And just as Massa was able to get economic uh, enhancements by bringing thousands of slaves, the slave master here is Mike Illich. And this particular slave master is able to garner millions of dollars by ticket sales and whatnot. Somewhere along the line, we will show you when it gets darker outside, how the Detroit police subsidize security. They don't even buy their own private security. But this is a mandated theft. So to be able to uh, take uh, the, ho the homes of low-income groups 
build a multi-billion dollar stadium on it, it never benefits the residents because we're in bankruptcy now. 20 years ago is when we got this. How did that happen if we're going to be economically enhanced? And of course, you know, this is the Illich Corner and we have Fox Town, we have Fox Grill, we have Fox uh, uh, Totem Poles, we have Fox, yeah, it, it's just an absolute takeover of the downtown area. And that's what eminent domain leads to. It's just another way of saying we're going to steal something that used to be publicly owned and sneak it into something that's now called private ownership. Obvious information is not readily seen. Things that appear to be obvious to me, certainly to welfare rights, certainly to residents that live in the city, they don't appear to be obvious to others. So the opportunity to pay elected officials to grease the skids and help you, quote unquote, legally steal is something that happens in Detroit all the time. So, you know, politicians are paid under the table, over the table. Sometimes we've seen buses and the, uh, uh, the rich folks will sit next to a candidate and they exchange envelopes. I mean, it's not even, it's not even well hidden, but they pay, what you, what's, what the phrase they use here is pay to play. And that's the phrase that they use here. And it happens very, very regularly. I mean, under what condition would a, a city council who is supposed to be the legal representatives of the people vote to say that it's all right for their homes to be torn down? Even if that was the arrangement and you thought that was better to build a multi-billion dollar stadium, it looks like those homes or those apartments that were stolen the people would be subsidized. In some way, their lives that were turned upside down and they were turned out into the streets. If the city council, again, who was supposed to represent my point of view, if they were in any way righteous, they would have made certain that those people that were kicked out of their little apartments for the next five or 10 years had a place to live so they wouldn't have to worry. You would think that that would be the most obvious thing. That did not happen. They were just told you have uh, 15 minutes to leave and that was 20 minutes ago. The wrecking ball came, they held on, I'm not gonna leave. And what ended up happening, the wrecking ball came and of course they had to run for their lives. There was no compensation. There was no quid pro quo. There was no support that was offered. Their lives were not important, they were just kicked out. The, uh, after the emergency manager, the whole process of an emergency manager is one of a Mussolini dictatorship. So that's the process. And then after the emergency manager legally steals the water, the buildings, whatever the assets are that they wanted, and they make it legal to, to steal things from us, then the emergency manager leaves and says, I've done all I can do, okay. And then the city and the council get the, gets their powers back and then once you know the, the cover's drawn off, the things that we used to own, we don't own anymore because the emergency manager has sold off our assets to their friends. So what we have is what we've got now. We've got these buildings that we didn't want in the beginning, but this is what happens after things are stolen from you. 
You're on 3CR's Renegade Economist. We're hearing from Maureen Taylor, the Michigan Welfare Rights Centre, discussing the takeover of monopoly interests through a uh, dwindling but proud Detroit city. And Mike Illich has the ownership of the baseball team, the ice hockey team, and you're just about to hear about the M1 light rail system that's been built linking up those stadiums and the 45 blocks of the city he bought for next to nothing. What do we know about this hockey stadium you're looking at here? Well, all of the construction that we're passing by now is going to be part of the new infrastructure uh, to support the new hockey stadium that Mike Illich is, been, is building. That's what all of these, see they've got the gates manufactured, that'll be gate six, we've already passed gate five. And so five, six, seven, eight blocks from where we first started and turned right. And all of this is going to be where uh, the hockey stadium is. Now this building that we're passing here is the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Building. It's gonna go too. So all, all of what Mike Illich wants is what Mike Illich is going to get. To your right are the college buildings, Wayne State and some of the other properties and whatnot that have been uh, staples in Detroit for many, many years. And they're gonna, they're, they're gonna stay until Mike Illich makes a decision whether or not he wants those things to remain. Pretty horrible. That building right there is the largest in-house shelter in the country. And it's called COTS, C-O-T-S, and it's Coalition on Temporary Shelter. That's what that is. Well, this we've got these midtown uh, luxury apartments. What's that? Well, it, it's it's a misnomer. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, there are no such things as midtown luxury apartments, and not in this area. This is midtown. This building that we're passing here is a senior high-rise building. It is the only one in the city of Detroit that was built without air conditioning. That building doesn't have not a lick of air conditioning where they're all seniors. Can you open the windows? I don't know. I've never been in there. I try not to frequent places where you can't open a window or get air conditioning, so I don't know. This is Starbucks, and we're moving a little closer to a place that I hate just as much, and it's called Whole Foods. And Whole Foods has a loaf of bread that you can buy for $4.80 for a damn loaf of bread. So now we're moving into uh, Midtown proper. And as you can see, the M1 rail, they've torn up, oh my goodness, they just torn up Woodward Avenue. And the barriers are on both sides of the freeway, or uh, both sides of the street that indicate where you can and cannot walk. They're, all these guys and girls, these folks are working. And this is Friday, and you can see they're still, they're still engaged. Uh, General Electric and General Engineering companies uh, several different nationalities, but almost all of these guys come from someplace outside of the city of Detroit. We weren't even able to secure opportunities for jobs. I mean, it's just the same thing that just goes on and on and on. We are moving into Midtown proper. And by the time uh, the M1 rail is finished with that side, which is the east side of the street, there's no telling 
if we will be able to recognize anything that's left. We were not asked. No one asked our opinion about any of this. They put up the signs, they put up the barriers, they put up the barrels, and they say live with it. There's nothing we can do. All the way to your right, once we get to this next corner, and straight down to your right is the um, trauma one level medical center. So in case any of the big uh, wigs, that's what all of that is. Any of the big wigs come to the city of Detroit and there's an injury or some sort of a, a problem, they go to that facility and it's called the Detroit Receiving Hospital. Look straight down this street and that building that's multiple colored, the blue and the gray one, is the Veterans Center. It's the John Dingle Veterans Center. It's three quarters of a billion, billion with a B, three quarters of a billion dollars. And you can shoot a shotgun off on any floor and not hit anybody. The building is about 15 to 20% usage. It's just scandalous what goes on. Now we are almost at the end of some of the Midtown activities. And uh, this is one of our most historic churches that we're passing, a lot of churches in Detroit. 4,017 churches in the city of Detroit to be exact. And now we're entering the dreaded Wayne State University community. Wayne State University just kind of comes in and usurp, and I've defined the word usurp means steal. They just kind of come in and began to take over properties, began to take over housing. And we never had a problem with Wayne State because they never made it impossible for residents to live in the area. But as the Illages and the Gilberts and some of these other people began to just steal more and more, uh, Wayne State is kind of taking a position, if you can't beat them, join them. So some of these buildings to the right, Certainly, this is the main library that we're passing to the left. That's the uh, Detroit Institute of Arts. It's where the Diego Rivera paintings are in that building, the wall of uh, 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 pictures and whatnot. And, and, you know, we used to be able to take tours of children. Now the costs are so prohibitive, we're hardly able to do it. Detroit Historical Museum on the left and some of the new high-rise uh, uh, parking facilities are coming up on your right. Everything else is a Wayne State University ad, uh, 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 ad, adjective. And that's all we can call it. A Wayne State gas station, a Wayne State apartment building, a Wayne State parking lot. You know, all of these are owned by Wayne State University. Students have some opportunities to live in it. But as you can see, we're still dealing with the M1 rail. Streets are still torn up. We're quite a ways from downtown. We're going a little bit further. This building to my right is the first midtown apartment building that was developed. The rents in that particular building start at $750 for a studio. And that's where it starts. Now here's the Wayne State signs. And as you can see, we're still in the area, Wayne State University activities. The Grand Central Station used to be the mecca of rail transportation for the city of Detroit right off of Michigan Avenue. The building has been empty for 20, 30, 40 years. Nobody can, I don't know anymore. 
and all the windows are gone. It is owned by a rich philanthropic gentleman, if we can call him that, by the name of Maddie Maroon. And Maddie Maroon owns that particular building and has refused to demolish it or let it be re renovated or anything while he waits for something new to happen in the city of Detroit. These buildings to my left are uh, the second set of apartment buildings that were built. And these are called Midtown. They're, they used to start at $1,100 a month. I don't know what it costs to live in there now. And their apartment buildings, as you can see, the windows are gone. You know, they're slated for demolition. Finally, right past the boulevard, the orange barrels went away. And the M1 rail is supposed to stop at the West Grand Boulevard site where we just passed. Here's Value World that we're just passing. Value World is a commemorative spot because it's the first time we really knew that the lives of poor people meant nothing. And that's a woman was hiding after she stole a pair of shoes out of Value World. And she jumped into a trash can receptacle. And the trash truck came by and picked it up didn't know she was in it. By the time she realized something was, happen, was happening, it was crushing the trash inside of there and it killed her. It's the first time we realized there's something wrong, just something drastically wrong. She was 32 years old and she died for a pair of shoes that cost 50 cents. Here is an evidence of what's going on with our schools. This used to be Northern High School used to have 31, 3,200 kids that went there. And it's privatized now. And I think they have less than 500 girls that attend school in that facility. And again, we're on Woodward Avenue, which is the main drag throughout the city of Detroit. If you go a little further, and if you don't mind, we'll go up to this traffic light and we'll make a right turn and you'll get to see something else. You know, you're on Woodward. If you turn at the light, and just go around the block and then come back to Woodward. So I can tell you this story. Okay, is it worth us stopping and getting out of the car? No, go a little further. Maybe not, but uh, right yeah, here. turn here, uh-huh. Gated, yeah. Now, look at the houses on this street. <laughs> and you go down two blocks and then uh, come back. And look at the mansions. These are where your doctors and your lawyers, predominantly white, Latino, and uh, African-American. This is where they Can live. Street signs change. You see they're now blue. That means we have just entered into Highland Park. And uh, we're in the Highland Park community. There's the Highland Park City Council and their city hall right there. This is the city that was told unless something happens, they're gonna turn all the water off in the entire city. Used to be 61,000 people to live here, 16,000 now. The sign of imminent death is what we're passing and that's the beautiful McGregor Library. And when you close the library, the place where you hold your books and your information, that's the sign that uh, uh, you're dead and in the water. And we knew things were happening and things were changing. Oh, that's just the regular uh, police riding up and down Woodward Avenue, not chasing anything, just trying to see how fast the cars go. Now, I can't think of the child's name that owned this apartment building right here. Uh, uh, Roseanne, Ro Rosanna Dana. 
can't think of, uh, and she was in Saturday Night Live. That's her building. And she donated that building to the people in Highland Park. I can't remember her name now. She died of cancer a long time ago. Gene Wilder's wife. But uh, she donated that building to the residents of Highland Park. And uh, they've been able to hold on to it for a while, but as you can see, it's in disrepair. And here is uh, uh, one of the shelters for men. So the YWCA, YMCA that closed downtown moved to this neighborhood, and that's a single shelter for men. The shelter for women is next door, but it's not renovated yet. This is the heart of Highland Park that we're in right now. What sort of population loss happened here? 61,000 has dwindled down to 16,000, and that's because three blocks over is a street called Oak Land, O-A-K-L-A-N-D. And Oak Land was the street where Chrysler had two back-to-back -back plants. One was a parts plant, and I've forgotten what the other plant was. And so the residents of Highland Park either worked there directly or had family members that worked there. When that plant, after 22 years, decided we've been here long enough and we want to relocate to Auburn Hills, Michigan, it left and the folks, you know, started to move to go to another place so that they could earn a similar salary as they were earning when they were working at that Chrysler plant. So 61000 is now dwindled to less than 16000 now. And the folks here, this is one of the poorest cities in and around uh, the country. And, you know, the, the salary, you know, we're talking folks that are making eight and nine dollars an hour. Here's the Packard plant that we're passing right now. This is where this and all down these streets and straight that way, there are our old dead uh, dinosaur factories that used to represent the height of money the height of opportunity, the height of uh, resources, and those things are gone. And of course, when they leave, they don't take the buildings with them. They don't uh, demolish the buildings. They just leave these eyesores. And they say, we're going to where we can make more money. And I know you don't like it, but too bad. The only school that Highland Park had was down this block. It was straight down there. It closed. There are no schools in the city of Highland Park anymore. No schools. Unheard of. Well, let's see, Woodward. We're on Woodward. If you go a little bit further, we're gonna be at Woodward and Seven Mile Road in just a moment. Uh, eight and, mile. Is it worth getting a shot on Eight Mile Road? Well, before we get there, on your right, Woodward and uh, Seven Mile, and let's see if there's a place that we might be able to park. To your right, are the apartment buildings and townhouses that Aretha Franklin pulled together. Wow. And the project has been laying dormant for about, about 12 years now. Not enough people to buy houses or get apartments or townhouses for the money that she wanted. And this might be, you know, a good example of what gentrification looks like. They want to build a, a, a complex in the middle of an area that's very poor. And then they're shocked when, when they can't sell the bonds and whatever else they have to sign to make it happen. 
So it's uh, we, we're almost to Seven Mile Road. It just hurts me, and my I cry inside yeah. when I do these tours because I don't recognize this theft. I don't support it. I don't have anything good to say about it. And that was Maureen Taylor from the Michigan Welfare Rights Center taking us on a tour of Detroit and uh, delivering some sordid truths to life in a, well, a rent seeker's paradise where government has basically handed the keys to those who like to make uh, money out of real estate and, uh, and clean up. So unfortunately, the people are left picking up the pieces and that's uh, a little insight to life on the streets of Detroit. So So I look forward to being back with you this time next week on The Renegade Economist where I'm going to go over the last three shows and that will pretty well wrap up uh, my American interviews. So uh, thanks very much for listening to 3CR and supporting The Renegade Economists. You can now hear 3CR in three different ways. The same content is broadcast on all platforms. 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital, streaming live on freecr.org.au. Digital radio is a new way of broadcasting. Listeners need...